Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing fine, thank you. Good. And uh, we have a few items here worth talking about. Yes. At least we think so. Yes. Maybe some others will agree with us. But there's lots of activity, but actually um, some people are climbing and the, and the markets are agreeing that things are really calmed down, uh, you know, in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see on that and we'll have a couple comments to make on that in, during this program. But I want to start off with uh, something that's ongoing. I, I'm tired of this story, but it still, it still stays in. It's, uh, this fellow Trudeau, uh, he, he's something else. And, and you know, he... Uh, He's now uh, attacking freedom, and uh, he's been accused of uh, being pretty anti-freedom. Uh, anti so there's a headline on Zero Hedge. Our friends at Zero Hedge, I think, tells you a little bit about our concerns today. And the headline says, Trudeau's state media labels, quote, freedom, a far-right concept. And I'm afraid there's a lot of people that have been convinced of that. Uh, and, you know, a far right concept means that, that, that you're a really a bad person and they paint you in there and put it all together and say that, uh, you know, you're jihadists and terrorists and, and violent people and Nazis and all these other things. And the more they say that, the more I recognize the fact that people who do the most accusation of uh, blaming other people for being such vicious criminals are they themselves <laughs> participating in it as just projection from what they believe. So they, this is... Uh, this is right now uh, something that uh, is stirring up a little trouble. Things have not settled in Canada. Uh, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, some of these uh, promises by Trudeau, I mean, they, they sound like they're ready to really crack down. I mean, really viciously crack down and uh, just confiscate property and the whole works. Uh, it's a really a totalitarian uh, state that they're trying to create. Uh, so there's a contest going on. Uh, is, is, does Trudeau have the heart and soul of the Canadian people, or do the truckers have it? Yeah. And I'd like to think the truckers are on the right side of history and that uh, we should continue to cheer them on. Yeah, absolutely. And we have a couple of clips that we'll play later because Trudeau has uh, seized emergency powers, which usually you would use for a state of war uh, to go after the truckers. Right. And it shows that it sounds like he's pretty desperate. But we had a couple of things on, on Ukraine that we were going to put up first because we, um, we had uh, the news that, that Russian troops seem to be leaving <laughs> from their positions in front. If we can put up that first clip, and this is what's got everyone, everyone upset. Russia withdraws troops from Ukraine border after the media said the invasion was imminent. And, you know, we saw this, Dr. Paul, weeks and weeks. It's coming on Tuesday. It's coming next Thursday. It's coming Monday at 6 a.m. Over and over and over. And Russia said all along, uh, we're not going to invade. We don't want to take Kiev. We have nothing uh, there that we're interested in. So, uh, so what we see happening is that they have started to leave. And all the experts in Washington don't know what to do now. But here's what they can do. Remember, they evacuated all the embassy. Uh, from Kiev, and they're going to move it to the West, uh, and they want to create this this feeling of, of fear. Uh, so what do they do now? Let's look at the second clip. 
This is from Zero Hedge. So now they advise all Americans to leave Belarus immediately. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a real mess. And actually go to the next one because this is sort of the last thing that happened. The Ukrainian president declares a day of unity amid fears of Russian attack. And he said this is on the 14th. He said Russia is going to attack on Wednesday the 16th. We're going to call it the day of unity. We're all going to all stand together and as one. And then everyone said, well, how did you get such specific information? That seems kind of strange. Let's do that next clip really, really quick before we move on. He says he was just joking. <laughs> Ukrainian officials say Zelensky's Russian invasion comment was, quote, ironic. He was just joking about it, Dr. Paul. So I don't know. We've been saying all along that we didn't think Russia was going to invade. What do they want with Kiev? Russia said, hey, we're going to pull out when we're done with our military exercises. Good thing we never do any of those. And now all of a sudden everyone's left saying, yeah, but they were gone. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Sorting out the truth is uh, I'm not sure they know what the truth is or what the plans are. But uh, my gut kept telling me that I didn't expect uh, the the next big move would be the tanks of uh, Russia uh, moving into Ukraine. You know, I just didn't think that would happen. But uh, it doesn't mean it's been canceled (laughs) either. Yeah, yeah. So it's still... There's, it's still a hot spot, but uh, for now, the interpretations and the markets aren't always right, but they're pretty good. People who have all this money invested, you know, uh, the other day they were more concerned, the markets, and yet today they're lackadaisical about the whole thing. And maybe there is a, a moment of uh, at least belief or hope that, uh, you, you know, an invasion is not uh, not likely to occur. But they're always talking about, you know, what's Russia going to do? What's Russia going to do? But they never talk about the opposition who we participated in creating this, and that's Eastern Europe, NATO, United States foreign policy. Yeah. This is where, where the problems have come from. But they never say, what are they going to be doing? Oh, no, well, they're just defensive. Yeah, we, we went a few miles away to defend the border. I could suggest to them there's a border they ought to talk about defending a yeah. lot closer to home. Yeah. But, but anyway, I, th- I think uh, it's, it's not over, but if the process continues... Uh, uh, you, you know, who, then it'll be who's claiming victory. Let's, yeah. say the, let's say the Russians keep moving away and, uh, and, and the uh, rhetoric is toned down. Uh, then, it'll be, then it'll be a big contest on who, uh, who promoted peace the most efficiently. But right now, I don't think we're there yet. I think people are, you, you know, maneuvering and looking at position. And... Um, Maybe it's to the advantage of especially Russia to keep people a little bit confused. They're, uh, uh, I, I think they're more in tune in, in defending their nation and their borders than they are in reviving uh, you, you know, the uh, Soviet system. I, I don't think that's on their mind. I think Putin is probably a little smarter than that. But, uh, but we have to wonder if, uh, if something breaks out, how smart are the people on our side? Yeah. You know, they might be digging a, a much bigger hole. Like, oh, no, we have all Eastern Europe, uh, you know, on our side. And, and we're sending in weapons. And uh, I'll tell you what, if a real war breaks out, foot soldiers, uh, the foot soldiers they're talking about, yeah, the thousands of them. Yeah. Now. I, I don't think that's going to uh, settle the dispute. You know, I was looking at something this morning, and since the end of the Cold War, Russia has invaded zero countries. 
uh, whereas the U.S. has invaded about 50 countries, according to the calculations, military actions in 50 countries, with U.S. bases in 800, in 800 places across the world. So it's, we always talk about how U.S. foreign policy is one of projection. We always project onto our adversaries that which we ourselves are doing. So we're the ones invading, we're the ones putting bases, and our argument would be that it's, forget about being pro-Russia, it's anti-America to be wasting all this money. But the one thing that struck me in this whole chapter, Dr. Paul, is how colossally wronged, yet once again, all of the Beltway experts on Russia were. Colossally, colossally wrong, and how the media always, always took the side of those that were pro-war and tried to silence those that weren't. And here's just one example. We could probably sit here until next week, Dr. Paul, looking at examples of out-and-out lies or just completely wrong. But let's pick this one. Let's look at this next clip, if we can. This is Melinda Herring, and she says something very dumb. Here she is on Friday. Putin has big weekend plans in Ukraine. He's going to cut power and heat, knock out Ukrainian Navy and Air Force, kill the general staff and hit them with a cyber attack, then install a pro-Russian president, and three, resort to a full-scale military invasion if Ukraine doesn't give in. And you might say, okay, this is someone with probably a a very heavy coffee uh, addiction problem, maybe about 48 double espressos before she wrote this, probably someone sitting in a basement somewhere. No, Dr. Paul, Ms. Herring is the deputy director of the Eurasia Center at the Atlantic Council. She's in a senior, senior position. She is hired. She has a high position because she's an expert on Russia. She's an expert on Ukraine. And this is the kind of garbage she puts out. Well, she was, she was caught out on this ridiculous statement. But instead of saying, you know what, I had a little too much caffeine, I was a little too pumped up, no. They never, ever say that they were wrong. And in fact, here she is just today doing something different. Well, huh? We've been so focused on the Russian troops and tanks, we miss Moscow's real strategy. Strangle Ukraine's economy and sap the resolve of its people. They never, ever stop or never back no, down. But they would follow up your statement and say, this is all coming about, it's going to happen, then there will be peace, and we're all going to get together and drink coffee. Yeah, drink have, more coffee. Have, have a coffee break. <laughs> so, but I don't think they're going to have a coffee break soon. They're going to pretend that maybe a few will do it, but there's, it's, it's, all, it's sort of like the war against COVID. It, it's, they're terrified by good news or terrified by the fact that maybe they don't need the government, terrified by the fact that maybe the government's making it worse. But just think of our country. It's, it's ignorance more than terror, being terrorized of knowing the truth, yeah. you, you know, about our foreign policy. There's, uh, to, uh, to make the statement that we keep frequently make is that we've gone a long way from home and, yeah. and, and we're the ones who get involved. We're the ones that participate in coups. But that that is said to be uh, unpatriotic, but I want to remind people that uh, there's a case that couldn't be made that true patriotism is the ability and the right to criticize our own government. But right now, uh, that's not well accepted. Matter of fact, can you can just read all this stuff in from Biden. <laughs> this, this terrorizes them. Yeah. Well, oh, you know, they're telling the truth. We have to silence them yeah. as quickly as possible. And uh, t- and, and dictatorships, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, generally depend on the lies, and that's they get into power that way. And then the bigger, the longer they're in power, the bigger the lies, yeah. <laughs> and and the more graft that occurs. Here's one last thing on the Ukraine thing, and there's a lot more we could say. But this is from actually I, I used to know this this gentleman, 
uh, he put up uh, an interesting tweet, and we, we haven't delved into this yet, and I think we're kind of waiting for it to percolate a little bit more, this whole spying on Trump thing. But put up this next clip, because this is Jake Sullivan. This is the National Security Advisor for President Biden. He is the person who, as you will all remember, was among the most hysterical about Russia's about to invade, Russia's about to invade. And this is J. Michael Waller who tweets this. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan is simultaneously at the epicenter of the Ukraine World War III hysteria while under investigation by Durham, the special counsel, for being at the epicenter of the fake Russia collusion narrative. We're going to see a lot more about Jake Sullivan, I think, here in these next few days because he was key to putting out the false information about uh, uh, about uh, uh, Trump using a secret Russian bank, using back channel, all made up. He was the conduit for this, and he's the guy doing our Russia policy. So, you know, the talk has been about Ukraine, justifiably, but there are some who believe, and I believe it's significant, and they've ignored, and it has uh, about Nord Stream too. Yeah, they're sort of ignoring this. But um, I always liked it, even though it was imperfect and it wasn't uh, true free markets. At least the government was doing more than putting on sanctions and uh, all this uh, uh, regulation of international trade. And there was the East and West coming together. The the Russians had a product that the Europeans could use. Germany uh, can use it. Uh, And they have this neat little pipeline, neat little big pipeline going from Russia uh, over to Germany. But uh, there's a lot of uh, people who don't like that. Mostly, I assume, it's the international oil companies, mostly and especially the American oil companies. They they don't want this. They (laughs) we destroy the oil production in this country and gas production. So now we're angry at everybody and what we need to do. We want to sell the oil. To Germany and to Europe. So what we want to do is, uh, and they're even threatening. You know, their sanctions will be. They say they had to put sanctions on Russia if they if they invade. We have to attack Russia and make sure they can't use that pipeline. Yeah. You know, exactly <laughs> the wrong thing to do if you're looking for the the opposite of sanctions and tariffs on everybody. But uh, I think that uh, I think it's been ignored. Uh, not completely, but it still is significant, and uh, it may take a, a while longer or the dust to settle to really find out exactly who ends up with uh, uh, selling oil to Germany. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting thing because you know the alliance between Russia and Germany is pretty pretty interesting compared to where they were, you know, uh, back uh, before World War Two. Yeah. You, you know, they were they were at loggerheads over it and fighting each other, but now. Uh, uh, yeah, that's why, though, I, I really am very sincere in promoting international trade uh, because uh, the founders gave us some pretty good advice. If you don't have soldiers crossing borders, uh, goods and services crossing borders, you're going to have military. And we're off, and here they are, standing in line, ready to cross these borders yeah. until we decide who owns the oil wells and the <laughs> pipelines. Well, you know, Mike Whitney has a great piece, and it was from the UNS Review, but we reprinted it today on the RonPaulInstitute.org website. He talks a lot about this, and I've heard it's one of their, their biggest read articles in a long time, and I highly recommend it. And it's important to bring up because the fear is because the Nord Stream 2 is now complete. It's just ready to finalize, but that will bring cheap 
gas, cheap natural gas, into Germany and Europe from Russia. And I think that, in Whitney's thesis, and I think it's very pretty well supported, is that terrifies the Atlanticists in Washington because that means that Germany no longer is reliant on the U.S. As they start trading more with gas, they're going to start trading more with other products. The relationship will build, and all of a sudden the Germans are going to be thinking, why are we hosting all these U.S. military on our soil uh, to, to, to guard against Russia? They're our business partner. This is the people we're doing business. They're our neighbors. That's what terrifies the neocons and the, the left-wing neocons more than anything. Interesting story, but also a dangerous story. Dangerous story. Well, let's get back to Canada, because there's big news there, like you started out talking about, this declaring a national uh, emergency powers. They're going to crack down on people, on these evil truckers. If you read the powers are extraordinary yeah. on what they want to do. And, and I guess the most annoying and insulting thing that they do, or the most ignorant thing they do, is they describe it in terms of freedom. Yeah. Do, do they sit around and decide that, or do they sit around and think that's what they're doing? In their, in their idea, this freedom for them, maybe they only think about freedom for them. You know, in a way, you could argue the, the mask issue. They think about freedom. We're protecting the people and freedom for us to wear the mask and everybody else obey what we tell them to yeah, do. Yeah. You know, so it, uh, it, it, it's important that people describe what freedom is all about. And if they don't talk about it in, in terms of uh, non-aggression, where where a solution to uh, the problems of the world would be that uh, both sides and both people decide that nobody's allowed to initiate force against somebody else to have their way, whether it's socially or economically or whatever. They, you can't do this. Or internationally, you're not allowed to initiate the force. Yeah. So the people who start it, sometimes it gets a little bit confusing. That's what that's what they like. It's confusing. Who, uh, you know, it, it's going back and forth. Now it's all Russia's fault. It's all Russia's yeah. fault. Well, what do you, if uh, the suspicions of a lot of people are that Russia is defending their borders yeah. and their country. Oh, no, that uh, that's, means you're a traitor. And that's literally what they do. You get uh, accused of, of, of being a, a traitor. But those, those sanctions are, 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 are pretty bad. On a trucker, confiscate the truck? Yeah. And what was it? If you donated $25 to the truckers to get lunch, they confiscated their bank account? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's unbelievable. Uh, and uh, you're thinking, hopefully what it does is wake up more people and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, we were sympathetic and we were annoyed with the blockades, but maybe these guys should be reined in. Maybe they are right. So uh, that's, uh, that's the whole thing. And other people have a little trouble, uh, you know, practicing civil disobedience and actually causing a, a, a jam, a, you know, a highway jam. Yeah. You know, a highway. And, uh, and yet, uh, morally, I see it being justifiable because of what has happened to, to them. Yeah. You, you know, and, uh, and, and this is a point, and it's, it's, it is nonviolent, but it's, it is also civil disobedience. Yeah. And people have to recognize that if you practice nonviolent civil disobedience in the meantime, and you accept the idea that you don't take guns to change your government, then you're going to accept, you'll have to accept the idea that you might get a ticket for this. Yeah. You, you know, not get, not get your truck stolen from and all these other penalties and further lose your civil liberties and freedom of expression. Yeah, I think this is probably good news for the truckers in the longer term and for the people that support them because they probably the best thing they could have hoped for was a massive gov government 
overreaction because it's going, as you point out, it's going to be a catalyst for people. Like you say, well, I wasn't too pro-trucker before. They were kind of annoying. But geez, Louise, this is out of, this is out of left field. Let's look at this <coughs> next clip. This, their, their deputy prime minister, I think, <coughs> and minister of finance is a lunatic. Christia Freeland, uh, she's making an announcement. Oh. Canada to declare under the Emergency Act they can seize funds in banks without warning or reason. They can go into your bank and seize your bank account, Dr. Paul. No warrant, no anything, no nothing, just acting on good faith. And let's, I have a clip of her talking about how she's attacking, because you know there was a lot of this crowdfunding. GoFundMe, well, they blocked that. Then there was another one, they're trying to block that. Um, and now she's going after the crowdfunding to help the truckers. And if we can queue up that first video clip, uh, she's talking about them being terrorists. Let's listen to this. First, we are broadening the scope of Canada's anti-money laundering and terrorist financing rules so that they cover crowdfunding platforms and the payment service providers they use. These changes cover all forms of transactions, including digital assets, such as cryptocurrencies. The illegal blockades have highlighted the fact that crowdfunding platforms and some of the payment service providers they use are not fully captured under the Proceeds of Crime and Terrorist Financing Act. What a piece of work this lady is. But here she is. She's basically saying under the idea of funding terrorism, we're going we're gonna to hit you. So basically, you're supposed to think that the trucks are terrorists and that the protesters are terrorists. Well, here's some footage, Dr. Paul, of the terrorists in action. Let's watch that next video. I think we just want about 15 seconds of that. Here are the terrorists that she's talking about that must be stopped. <laughs> Clearly, Dr. Paul, this is a terrorist training camp, <laughs> and there's a lot of dangerous things going on. They were pretty well coordinated, too. It wasn't too bad, yeah. Not Coordination my for liberty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. It's, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, it's just, when do people wake up? And I think we, at least I want to believe, there's an awakening, you know, in Canada, you yeah. know, in that cold spot. Yeah. You know, one time early on when I took a bicycle trip from Pittsburgh to Canada, wow. we went to a World Fair and we thought we were going north. And when we arrived, they knew what we were, just dumb college yeah. high school kids. <laughs> and the first Canadian came up. He says, well, we want you to understand is... Canada is not all ice and snow. <laughs> We're in Toronto, <laughs> so it was, it was sort of funny. But but uh, there there is a spirit left. Yeah, and I have visited and given speeches out in West Canada, uh -huh. and believe me, uh, that there is some pretty strong support out there, and we communicate with it. We might even have a viewer yeah. you know, from Canada oh, on our program. Well, that's the other thing too, is that the premiers for these different states, Saskatchewan and Alberta, and several yeah. others, they've said we do not go along with this emergency powers. We don't want any part of it. So it's pretty interesting. Sounds, sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing, and this is brought up by the Off Guardian. Before we, we switch to the next one, really quick. But they talked about this dangerous freezing funds of peaceful protesters is disgusting. This is off Guardian. It could mean people can't pay their rent or heat their homes or buy food for their families. Did they think about this when they said they're going to grab their bank accounts in freezing cold Canada? You can't pay your bills? Nuts. 
You know, there was a saying that I heard during the, during the uh, Cold War and the Soviets were in charge and I was talking to somebody who was from Russia uh, and uh, they, I said, how do they keep them in check? How do they keep them in check? How can they put all these people in prison? He says, it's not difficult and they don't need a lot of guns. If somebody disobeys or raises their own crops in the backyard or do some vicious economic crime, uh, he said, he says it's not a big deal. They they just lose their job. <laughs> and they lose their rent payment. Yeah. They don't have a place to live. And then their food stamps are gone. It's all economic power. Yeah. Don't you think that's what she's talking about there? Yeah. Economic power exactly. and strip people of their wealth? Yeah. And uh, I know we have some of it, but I, <laughs> I hope they didn't learn their lessons from uh, some of our authorities here in this country. Because there's confiscation of wealth in this country that is not always fair and yeah. uh, orderly. And, uh, uh, but, but this is so up. I guess it's the attitude, the arrogance of it all, because they're doing this uh, in the name of freedom. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, it always bothers me that they justify our wars. We've got to go over there. We've got to defend our Constitution and our freedom in Iraq? Yeah. I didn't know they were going to attack our freedoms. Yeah. <laughs> and besides, how are you going to go there? Are you going to have a declaration? Oh, no, we don't believe in that. That's we got to go get to save our freedom. That's right. <laughs> well, if anything, this is a good argument for keeping a good wad of cash in your house somewhere and maybe some silver and gold. <laughs> you know, the digital world is not as great as they thought. Well, you had one here on the uh, this new crackdown on people on planes. Yes, and this is sort of a continuation of anticipation of what's happening. This is not startling, but we've often mentioned that, uh, you know, they always need an enemy. They always need a justification, uh, you know, uh, the Ukraine problems or 9-11 yeah. or, or, or whatever, a snowfall or a hurricane for more government power and taxation and, and buying influence. Well, this one caught my attention because I thought it was fells into that category. And, uh, and there are definitely more problems on airplanes. There's more violence. People get angry uh, because I guess they should, yeah, the airplanes, if you're on an airplane, you still have to wear a mask. Yeah. Little kids, you know, you hear horror stories yeah. about this. And uh, people do lose control. They get upset. And they, uh, they'd like to take it out on, they, well, they don't know who to take it out on at that instance. Uh, they're liable to take it out on uh, somebody on the airplane that disagrees with them yeah. or with a stewardess. They, they have to uh, confront them, but they, they get pretty upset and then their violence breaks out. So well, that's what the government's for is to prevent violence and take care of it. So, so <laughs> violent outbursts on planes are getting worse, but a new no-fly list is developing. Uh -huh. They suggest it isn't the solution. Well, of course it isn't the solution, but it's still going to come. Yeah, you yeah. Know? That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, it is. And it's going to, who knows, you, you were talking, we were talking about before the show, that list of people who haven't had the vax or the list of people who are protesting. They'll match it, them up. They'll match them up <laughs> and there you go. No fly. We're going to be stuck here in Texas. <laughs> mm. um, well, the last one we want to talk about is a short one. But it, it affects a, a organization that we've come to rely on, and we give them a lot of praise on the show, and that is the primarily financial website, Zero Hedge. And if we can actually just do that last clip. This is from AP. This happened today. This is just happening. Zero Hedge is being attacked by the U.S. government 
for being a Russian propaganda outlet, which is uh, bizarre to say the least. What they do do, and one of the reasons why we do read them and we do support them, is that they provide a broad perspective of the news. From, and, and is there, they, on ZeroHedge.com, they have their retort to this claim by, of course, unnamed intelligence uh, uh, officials. Uh, they say that we, from the Gatestone Institute, which tends to be neocon, all the way over to the left, we provide a broad range of perspectives on opinions. We provide some news that is not uh, the you know, lockstep mainstream coverage of Ukraine. It allows some alternative, and uh, they publish a lot of your columns and things that, that we do. So instead of just saying, hey, we need a robust debate across the spectrum, no. They're being condemned by the CIA as a Russian propaganda outlet. This is a confirmation. Confirmation who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. So uh, the people telling the truth under these conditions, they're, they're the bad guys and they have to be shut down. And we do know, uh, history has shown, <coughs> that the, <coughs> the, the biggest enemy of big government is somebody who tells the truth. They're dangerous people and that's what they're doing. So I hope this helps, you know, identify. Yeah. They sort it out and say, well, we have to go after him. We can't have anybody telling the truth. What, what, did, what, what they do all these years, the last several years on COVID. Yeah. If you told the truth about natural immunity, uh, but uh, finally they're changing their mind. You're allowed to say natural immunity and not go to jail, you, you know, not lose your job. Economic, economic punishment is what yeah. they did. And doctors did lose their job just for just just for defending a position that they were taught in medical school. And if they knew a little bit about history, you don't even have to be an MD to realize something about immunity because it's been known historically for a long time. The shocking thing about this is here we are in early 2022. This attack on Zero Hedge, first of all, um, it's amplified in the AP article by an employee of the German Marshall Front's <coughs> Alliance for Securing Democracy. Now, this is paid for by NATO and all the defense contractors, but they're an independent think tank. It's the same organization back in November of 2016 that, remember, they had that huge attack piece on all of these outlets that were Russian propaganda outlets, and it included the Ron Paul Institute. And it was the same accusations by the same organizations. We've had four, we've had six years of this discredited Russiagate nonsense, the smearing of people like Ron Paul and the Ron Paul Institute and, and Lou Rockwell and Zero Hedge, the smearing of them as being Russian assets because they provide a different perspective. We've had it for now for years and years. How long are they going to keep trying to revive this ridiculous idea? Well, it's a little bit more than just smearing them because they get punished too. They get canceled and they lose their job. And then it isn't Oh, it isn't the government. The government is all for freedom of speech. They yeah. defend the First Amendment, and they tell us that all the time. But all of a sudden, uh, guess what? They, uh, they have punishment, and there is a collusion. There is a partnership between big business, especially, and the government. So who does the dirty work? The businessman. And, and, they're, and they, they deserve a lot of criticism because they have become dependent. You know, they have been bought and they depend on easy credit, specialized credit, and uh, it becomes a, a uh, you know, a corporate state. 
and some people say that it's out of the fascist state now, and it certainly was a, Mises' opinion that what we have will lead uh, to a fascist system. He didn't say uh, you know, it will be Russian communism. Yeah. He said it was going to be a fascist state, a combination of big business and, and government. And uh, this, is, uh, this is what's going on, but, but the government people say, yeah, we're for freedom. And uh, but we can't close down the companies because uh, or be just because they s censor people and cause them to lose their job. Uh, but they were they're, they're pressured because they're, mil uh, you know, monetarily dependent on the government. There's hardly anybody that doesn't do business with the government. Yeah. You know, if it's an individual later on, it might be be like in Canada right now, yeah. you, you'd be denied benefits. Yeah. It, would, it could happen here, too. You know, if uh, everybody's dependent on a monthly check, as the as the check is buying less and less, all they have to do is say obey, obey, obey. You won't even get anything. Yeah, you know that's that is a problem. Dependency is not a good term, and yet on the short run, it sure it makes people feel better, and uh, they don't realize what's coming once they get total dependence on a monolithic government. Yes, well, you know, it, you you make a good point though. It does hurt your reputation. It hurt our reputation. Absolutely 100,000% false. What we do is we oppose the neocons in the beltway of the left and the right who are always wrong, as we continually point out, always wrong about everything. We oppose them, but then we get tarnished with this idea, and it does hurt the reputation. They should be sued. They should be forced to, to come to terms with the lies that they tell about Zero Hedge and RPI and Lou Rockwell and Mises and everyone else. But they haven't thus far, but it is, it is painful. It's difficult uh, to, to deal with this idea that you're somehow an agent. It's ridiculous. But anyway, I want to thank everybody for standing by us, even though we're, along with Zero Hedge, tarnished for daring to think outside the box. Uh, well, we know all of you think outside the box, too. Uh, so we appreciate you coming and joining and watching the program. Close to 300,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed, please, again, go ahead and subscribe. Make a comment. Uh, the more comments, the more lively it will be, and also the more possibility it will pop up on someone's YouTube when they log in. Uh, do a thumbs up uh, just to try to create some buzz and create some more views for the, for the show. And again, we appreciate you watching. Dr. Paul? Very good. You know, a lot of people complain about the system because it's, uh, it's not bipartisan and the, and the two parties don't come together. And, and they want people to come, to come together and they have to be bipartisan, which I think is, is the wrong, wrong goal. As people who defend individual liberty and non-intervention in government, all of a sudden we become non-partisan. We don't pick Republicans over Democrats or anything. But if somebody is in either party or elsewhere or independent or whatever, they can also be on the side of uh, true liberty and telling the truth about what is going on. But today, uh, I tell you what, uh, what we have now is, uh, Daniel was talking about the military industrial complex and the promotion of war things. And it's the two parties are doing it together. There's no, no resistance to it. And uh, that's, that's why I think there's a big difference between having coalitions and people saying, well, we need to meet in the, meet in the middle and have Republicans and Democrats sacrifice half of their liberties and come together, conservatives and liberals, give up something and come together. I think it's the worst thing in the world to do because you don't want it to be more efficient. 
what you want to do is come together and it's something that I'm interested in, had a little bit of success with it, meeting the people and, and we refer, we depend on uh, on the journalists or this way. They're not Republicans or Democrats, they're, they're true journalists and they come in and they bring people together, but nobody has to sacrifice anything. Nobody has to say, well, you have to give up your opinion, you know, about smoking marijuana, or we can't talk to each other. But no, I think there's reasons for us to argue the case for nonpartisanship, uh, not bipartisanship, nonpartisanship, and get it out. And you know, I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's a unique idea. I think the founders sort of hinted at that. They didn't want the parties. They they knew what was going to happen, and they were opposed. But immediately, the partisanship uh, developed. But I think I don't think you get rid of that until you get people understanding why the best thing for uh, uh, humankind is for people to accept the idea of nonviolence. You can't initiate force to have your way. If you're an initiator of force and you want your way in social matters or economic matters or foreign policy matters, believe me, it won't work. So it's the idea of uh, nonviolence and, no, and not aggression that could move us in the right direction toward peace and prosperity. Please return to the Liberty Report soon.